Hey everybody, once again, welcome to yet another episode of Wheelbite. Those of you who tuned in to our first episode last week, thank you so much. Can't tell you how much we appreciate everyone going out and listening to what we are doing and what we have to say. It means the world to us. This week's episode is about one of the most hot-button issues in skateboarding right now, and that is social media Everyone's got an opinion, and you can listen for the next hour of your life, and certainly hear ours. And if you have an opinion, please feel free, comment below, let us know what you think. If you're Mark Johnson, we definitely know you have an opinion, and please, for the love of God, email us, and we can set up an interview and really talk about this shit on the next level. So tune in for the next hour, social media, and skateboarding. I feel like I feel like it's dangling by a fucking strain of bone marrow. East Coast powerhouse. From the New York, a fabulous restaurant. Carter, it is fucking Friday, the fucking tenth. I'll give you a hundred bucks and I'll take out the Benny Hanna if you slide that seventy-five foot handrail. I especially like the flip of the board. Greetings out there, people of Spaceship Earth. Welcome to another episode of Wheelbite, coming to you live from San Francisco, California. I am host one of two. My name is Ted Theodore Mater. And today we are discussing social media as a whole. And I mean, I can't believe I'm about to do this to kick things off, but I'm going to say our favorite skateboarding Instagram account, and I'm going to go with two. I had one originally, but I have to mix it up to a certain extent. At least I feel like I do. But my number one is Dead Hippie, Mackenzie Eisenhower from Transworld. That dude is always putting on the dopest old pictures, complete with all this information about them. It's a nerd's wet dream. And when I get bored at work, admittedly, I will just spend a good 30 minutes scrolling through it and looking at old photos, most notably photos done by Daniel Harold Sturt or Spike Jones, because that's where they're on display these days. And then also I got to give a shout out to Fancy Lad Skateboards, their Instagram account always has me laughing my ass off because they're coming up with such crazy shit and doing such crazy shit. And it's generally worthy of showing to whoever is in the nearest vicinity to me, even if I'm just like nudging a homeless guy on the bus like, yo, check this out real quick. I should have known. <laughs> of course. Uh, Jay Green here. Uh, I should. I want to note that when we were talking about starting this episode, uh, I was like, "Yeah, uh, is it going to be too corny if we list our favorite Instagram accounts?" Oh, it totally is. Because we're we're from the older generation, and that's you know we're we're trying to adjust as well. But my favorite, one of my favorite accounts is Manolo Tapes. Uh, Manolo to my understanding, has been putting together mixtapes for a little while. 
Yeah. And it's all, I want to see the, I love seeing the old footage and he'll often compile stuff all at like one spot, which is what I love to do is just kind of nerd out like a bunch of stuff at just pier seven or something like that. And then, uh, another favorite, which is a newer account which just came to me, which actually doesn't even have a lot of followers. It's called Skated in the Chillers. What the and hell it, is that? And it, it is my favorite thing on the internet right now. It is photos, posts of OG pro skaters and famous ads um, of skaters in non-skate shoes doing tricks in non-skate shoes oh my so like God. <laughs> so there's so like there's the there's a famous picture of like stevie williams doing a switch back tail at wallenberg in the back on one of the high benches and they post it and they list what shoe they're wearing too so he's wearing a pair of air force ones in that photo if you know anything that is like my favorite shit i still skate in non-skate shoes and that's just like the most like Bay Area. Actually, it's not just a Bay Area thing. It's kind of like an urban, you know, like woo uh, tech dog kind of thing where you might have been seeing dudes skating in Jordans or some Air Forces. Skating in chillers. Skated in the chillers. Naturally, I should have known that whatever other account you're going to choose would have to do with shoes and footwear because... They only have 119 followers right now. This is crazy. Look at that. Gons. Gons cover. Everyone's on there. Dill. Dill has photos on there. What's he wearing there? He's got some uh, crazy Adidas, Adidas marathons. Yeah. Well, Jimmy Gorecki likes it, so that's cool. Well, that's that's actually how I, how I discovered it. Oh, he was t- telling you to give it a follow, like... I love every now and then when someone will be like, hey, go peep this account. I got to find some dope uh, account that was all old VX footage from Jay Strickland, like the height of the early Baker days and the birdhouse days and stuff like that. So, you know, that is one great thing about social media. One of the perks is that people will put you on to shit so easily and then it becomes your favorite thing. For whatever reason, it definitely hits a spot with uh, with the nostalgia of just finding something like that, like the skated in the chillers page uh, that just like lit up my whole world. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? I can't believe I didn't think of that first. And yeah. I mean, even outside of skateboarding, I feel like all social media in general is this recycled nostalgia thing. I mean, that's why with something like Facebook and everything, it's like, look what happened one year ago on this day. You were tagged in this photo, and it makes things of the not-so-distant past nostalgic. But with skateboarding, now there's so much of it that is super nostalgic, and there's so much ground to cover. That's why people like Dead Hippie and Cool Mo Leo and stuff like that can exist because there is so much content and they have all these followers just from skaters and people who used to skate who still hold those times near and dear to their heart. And there's just so much to put out there. And social media makes it 
like a wide open market. And that's why net neutrality sucks while I have your attention for five seconds because net neutrality is going to fuck all that up and get rid of a free internet. So call your Congress people and your senators. That well, that is certainly the the good. I'd say is kind of that nostalgia part of it. We're going with kind of a a good, bad, and the ugly theme for this episode of social media here. And as we're talking about the old stuff, the nostalgia, the old photos and clips that we all love seeing and kind of geek out on. I love that side of social media oh me too it's so great it's such a good tool for education in terms of that side of things you get to see so many photos that probably haven't really seen much of the light of day since their time in the magazines which you know magazines have such a shelf life because first of all they're not built to last forever they fall apart easily they rip whatever but all that stuff has been digitally stored in the trans world or thrasher offices somewhere. They have old prints, so there are always people who have access to that stuff that will be able to put that on the internet so that you can see it. I mean... I like the idea of it being a history lesson. Obviously, the internet and social media is a young man's game a young person's game, but I like the idea of, you you always hear the OG perspective of, oh, these kids nowadays, they don't know, blah, 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 this and that. I actually do see a lot. I follow some younger kids, and I follow a lot of of the older OGs too, and I do see a lot nowadays, like some younger kid who's coming up, who's getting flowed or sponsored, comment on like, an old Carl Watson photo or something like that. So I guess I kind of like the idea of this younger generation. It's not completely lost on them. The history of skateboarding isn't completely lost on them because there is such a big market of kind of this retro nostalgia thing on Instagram right now. So it's cool. I think it's cool that they're able to see that and be like, oh, that's super tight. Like, that's not maybe the most gnarly trick ever, but they're getting this history lesson through it. Well, and one of the things that is so great about the stuff that is getting posted, it's normally stuff that is top-notch. They're not just posting shit for the hell of it. And one of the beautiful things about that is some of that stuff translates forever. In the same way, great songs translate forever. You know, you mentioned like a kid commenting on a Carl Watson thing. And I just think of that photo of him doing a crazy pretzel crook at Pier 7. It's a black and white photo that I think it was ran in Thrasher. And the style he has in that picture, no matter if you're 40 or 14. That style translates so well. And the fact that there is all this stuff all over Instagram and the internet, for that matter, is great because the kids have got to know, as Big Brother Magazine so know, that's the put exact it. photo I was picturing in my head. <laughs> and that's ex- the exact example I was thinking of. That, that was very well said. He's not, he's doing a Nolly 180 switch crook. 
right? I believe. And it's not the most mind-blowing thing ever, but to see Carl Watson do it there and at that time and that specific photo is one of just the unicorns in skateboarding. And I can sleep better at night knowing that some kids are learning that there's more to skateboarding than just the gnarliest trick ever that you can be respected and one of the best skateboarders for having that dope of style. And that's one of the reasons why I listed fancy lad is because they are not doing the gnarliest biggest things ever, but all of their stuff gets seen, you know, by tens of thousands of people every day. Like everything I ever see on there has thousands and thousands of likes and it's always someone doing like this crazy weird flip trick that never existed necessarily off some little bump. And obviously like the flip side of that is you have someone like Atiba Jefferson posting the gnarliest dudes doing the gnarliest gaps and the gnarliest handrails 24/7. Like you know there there's every side of skateboarding is accessible through social media. If you want to see the big crazy shit you can't. And if you want to see some weird, artsy, innovative shit, you can. It's all over the map. And aside from just history, I feel like it can help allow a lot of younger skaters to sort of find their identity and voice within skateboarding as a whole. Because there's something there for everybody. You might not be the big handrail, big gap guy. You might be a slappy curb dog. And if that's the case, like go follow Chris Pastris. He'll give you inspiration for days. <laughs> that's a good point, though, that there you that's. Yeah. I mean, not to keep playing on the whole like oh, we're old men thing, but like that's that's a good point that we never had that. We never had that like world to explore. Mm-hmm. We had like, well, let me I think maybe a good example is like. I think the first skate video I got was Label Kills, the Black Label video. And, I mean, I'm not, like, that's not really my scene. I don't know, not scene, but, like, <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't an, uh, a Black Label type of skater. Yeah, that's but a very certain to, type of appeal. I had to learn because I had to buy that video. I didn't have Instagram to go on and be like, Oh, like that kind of makes more sense for how I skate and how I want to skate and what I want to follow, I guess. Well, it's funny you say that because one thing I think of all the time is how limited our access to skateboarding was when we were younger. I mean, different for you because you grew up in San Francisco. So there were always a couple of skate shops around, at least within the city limits. And you could go there and very easily learn what was in, what was out. You know, the pulse of the culture was right there outside your doorstep. For me, though, in the middle of nowhere, like skateboarding was something I had to try very hard to actively seek out. Like finding videos solely depended on whose older sibling had what video in their collection. And, you know, some of us had magazine subscriptions, but... I only subscribed to Transworld, so for the one year I subscribed to it, I only saw what Transworld wanted to show me that they thought was cool. And 
even like just getting product was tough. You know, you break your board on a Wednesday and you go home to your parents. You're like, I need a new board. They're like, well, you're gonna have to wait till Saturday when we can drive you two or three towns over to the skate shop. You know, this gets into the whole thing of how social media and the internet have made skateboarding smaller and more accessible. It's what you're describing is literally the exact opposite of where we're at with media and skateboarding now. Literally the exact opposite. You have it at your fingertips. You can pick and choose whatever you want to watch, whoever you want to follow. I guess that's kind of where we're going is just this undeniable overtaking and change in the skateboard industry. It's affecting marketing. It's affecting uh, getting sponsored. It's affecting footage. It's affecting uh, print magazines. It's affecting videos. I mean, I, we could keep going and going and going, but this is the reality of where we're at. I mean, even just something as simple as getting a board, you know, I just mentioned how we'd have to wait to go to the skate shop. Today, if you broke your board on a Wednesday and were like, I want to board again by Friday, you could just go online and get one for next day delivery if you had the dough. And chances are, like, when I was a kid, my parents were, for the most part, helping pony up the dough for a new skateboard. So if you're a kid and your parents are willing to do that, there's no doubt in my mind you could convince them, like, just get next day delivery on the board, mom and dad. That's my impression of a child asking their parents for money. Everybody's first sponsor. Yeah, mom and dad. Mom and dad. <laughs> Hooking you up with product, That's with right. clothes. Hell yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's it's changed how we get and see everything. I have a friend who is way older than me, and he'll send me stuff all the time that I didn't even see on social media. He's like, oh, did you see this clip today? Guy did a hippie jump 5-0 grind through the ladder on a pool. And I'm like, where the fuck did you see that? Because there's such oversaturation of content, which is its own problem. To like truly see the best of the internet, I, I don't even know where you could turn to in that situation. But I have to ask this guy, like, where did you see this groundbreaking clip that I want to now view? It's super hard to keep track of it all, and it kind of all can get lost in the shuffle with such ease. That's, uh, yeah, totally. I don't, I don't follow on Instagram probably all of the accounts I want to because of that. Mm-hmm. I have like I have this weird thing where I'm like, well, I can't like I can't follow too many of them because there are too many of them, and if I do that, then I'm just completely fucking lost. Mm-hmm. That's the whole thing about Instagram. Everyone has their own account, so it used to be with magazines. You know, you'd have to wait till the next issue came out to see what Brian Anderson or fucking. Alyssa Steamer or Shiloh Greathouse were up to. And that's even if they had something in the next magazine. They might not even have an ad. They might not have an interview. They might have nothing. Or maybe they're just running an ad that you saw previously. So and it's now, not new. And now what's the standard? Oh, the st- you have to have a social media account. And not only that, you have to try and post something almost daily. I can't imagine what it's like in a contract meeting now as a, as a young up, up and coming skater. I can't imagine what, you know, 
uh, team managers or not team managers, but just, you know, marketing people and executives are saying, uh, you, uh, we need an, uh, an Instagram post a day. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm, I can almost guarantee these type of things are being written into these young skaters contracts. And you got to tag your sponsors and you got to hashtag your sponsors. You have to have your sponsors in your bio, in your, you know, your little thing or whatever. Um, And also when people are like, oh, link in bio, I wonder too if, you know, your sponsor put something out. Is it a company thing where they're like, oh, you also have to put the link in your bio like with the same time everyone else does to keep everything consistent? Yeah. Which is kind of a nightmare. <laughs> like, it's well, it's, it's almost it's way worse than ever having to have stickered your board because you have to do it every day. It's I don't know. I don't like it. It, it is a nightmare in, I guess, and what's being pushed behind it and whatever the product may be. But I, as far as marketing and this, the shift that it's taken, I don't know if I, I almost maybe like it more. I almost rather see like a dope commercial mm-hmm. on Instagram as like a clip. You know what I mean? As opposed to, I don't really know what else, like watching something on YouTube and seeing like a commercial like that. I guess it's the same difference because you do see the same commercials in both of those media outlets. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that I think that this, the stakes have been raised and the quality has gone up also. I mean, it's it's come a long way from the old 411 commercials. It has come a long way from that time where, you know, you only got something once in a while, which is definitely good in some ways. But, you know, because it's so spontaneous and chaotic on there, I mean, sometimes I feel like my freaking head will explode. Also, like, where the where's the main focus now? You're not seeing as many videos, full-length videos come out from companies. Where's the main focus? Are they... Uh, I mean, to kind of throw Nike out there, they have a team so big, but I always, they always have a couple new fucking commercials. So like what's being prioritized here, right? Like, are they taking the footage of their writers and throwing it in these commercials, which seems to be happening or, you know, are they kind of to the older realm? They stacking this footage for a video, I think it was Tony Hawk on that Lakai premiere episode of the Nine Club who he's he was saying something about online parts and he goes I don't get why we keep calling them a part what's it a part of you know I love that. it's an yeah. interesting point yeah, because yeah. the YouTube video and the Instagram edit have almost taken over how skateboarding is consumed on that level. And the perfect example of that that I've witnessed firsthand is in Europe. You know, if you go to Makba, 90% of the people who are skating there are not filming with cameras, like real cameras. They're filming on their cell phones because they don't care about stacking a part of footage there they just care about getting reposted on Mokba Life Instagram or getting thrown in some like clips of the day. I don't think edit it's that they got going on. You know, it's more about that 
than it is about compiling for a much bigger project. I do agree with that. I don't think it's all terrible. I do like to see that skaters are more comfortable being filmed now. And you don't always see, I mean, even out here in the city skating around uh, the little plaza spot we go to, like you see people who aren't pros, who aren't sponsored. They want to get Instagram clips too, which I think is kind of dope actually. No, it's good because it gives those people a voice you know back in the day the only way you got noticed if you weren't a pro was you sent in sponsor tapes to various companies and they might like your footage and send you some product or they might not and you wouldn't ever fucking hear about it but with social media it is like a direct to user forum people get to post their footage and sometimes people they look up to see that footage. And the, also the opposite, us old dogs. Like if I post, like I, you know, I'll film something for Instagram or whatever. And some, a homie who doesn't skate like as much anymore sees it and is like hyped on it. You know what I mean? It reaches a lot further, I think, than just like, oh, pay attention to my dope ass skating. It's like, no, like some of us who used to film more seriously, maybe, or maybe even not, get to put it out there too for our friends or whoever or ourselves to stoke. You know, it, it's not, it's not just for the best of the best. Right. But, One of the sad things, though, too, is that some of that great talent that we do get to put out there is just buried in the content. Um, Very true. Grant Britton just did a Chromeball Incident interview, and I loved reading it because obviously he's one of the first truly professional skate photographers to ever do it. And something he said that bums him out about Instagram is that he'll see photos people worked really hard on get buried in the content and he says that so many of those photos that happens to could have been covers you know 10 15 20 years ago they were cover worthy shots that got totally snubbed because they are just being posted on the internet somewhere and then the next day there's a hundred other great photos that get posted on the internet somewhere you know I'm not denying that I appreciate the accessibility to all this stuff, but at the same time, it makes it so hard for people to truly stand out. Yes, you can reach all these people, and yes, someone you admire and respect might see it, but at the same time, there's no longevity there. There's only 24-hour shelf life, and that is a shelf life that is too quick in the world of skateboarding. And therefore, it causes a lot of focus to shift off of less timeless qualities within skaters. Like we talked about that Carl Watson photo that's like 20 years old now, if not more, and how that kind of picture will transcend generations because it just screams out with style. But at the same time, nothing new can really gain that longevity because there's no platform necessarily for it you see it and it's gone. Yeah, exactly. It's and, so quick. And also with like the bangers, like with the big footage, like one that comes to mind is the fakie tray 
uh, switch nose Manny that Kelly Hart did on the Santa Monica stage, which was the end. That's the gnarliest trick done on that. And that is the ender should be an ender of a video part or whatever it is. And, and the crazy thing is, which again, like, you know, I guess there's kind of a common theme already in this episode, which is like the good and the bad of everything. And I can't, I can't fully hate on it because there actually is going to be more eyes on the trick on social media than there would be in a full length video. So I can't really fault someone for, I don't know, maybe seeking that immediate, I don't know, satisfaction or gratification on Instagram or on the internet, as opposed to like, well, I'm going to hold on to this thing for, I don't know, a couple years or a couple months. And it still may leak on Instagram also, you know what I mean? Like putting it on Instagram, it's literally going to reach hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people instantly and kind of waiting out for that big full length, you know, shebang is, I mean, I kind of understand it. However, I do agree with that. It has watered down a lot of, of the good. Absolutely. So two things immediately come to mind. One, it's funny you bring up Kelly Hart's trick because on the newest episode of the nine club, Bill Strobeck asked, Chris Roberts, why they didn't have Kelly's trick playing on loop in the background. Yes. And Chris said, I don't like to talk about it, but Kelly defended saying, oh, well, it was only filmed on a cell phone. But at this point, I mean, everything's filmed on a cell phone. There was a video that came out a couple of years ago, The Boys of Summer, and that was entirely filmed on a cell phone. That was the fucking point of it. A new iPhone camera video shot now is going to look better than most, like, VX. Absolutely. <laughs> like, for real. The second thing that comes to mind, though, is this quote Jamie Thomas had. He was explaining how... Dane Berman once told him that uh, he thought he could hard flip El Toro, which is absurd. But Jamie was like, yeah, there's $1,000 on the table if you ever hard flip El Toro. And his logic for that was, that's an investment right there because if someone hard flips El Toro, that is a selling point for your whole video. And he's right. He's absolutely right. And that's why I think your whole thing coming in with like how the best of the best gets lost in the shuffle. Because if it were to come out in a video, if Kelly Hart's trick had been in some full-length video, we'd all have heard about it. There would have been all this backlash in the sense that, well, maybe backlash is the wrong word. But like there would have been this hype that... Kelly Hart did this groundbreaking trick for this new video, just like there was on Instagram. The only difference is that they put it out on Instagram first. Had he held on to it, and then once whatever full length came out with it in it was being promoted on Instagram, that trick would have been seen around the world. I think of the Call Me 917 video that came out last year because I didn't see it until 
a bunch of people started posting that clip of like Alex Olson doing the huge no comply flip like sex change thing. He does it like over this big dirt gap and one of our friends, Corey, actually posted it online first. And then I started to see other people posting it. And I thought, okay, maybe I need to check this video out because this clip alone is fucking groundbreaking. You know, if you put out a video part in an actual DVD release and that one clip is that good, it'll still get posted to social media like crazy. The question really is, how long can you wait to put it out there? And that's where we get into the reef debate. Go for it. <laughs> so I'm not sure if anyone out there listening knows this story per se. But it's it's from when we're recording this. It's been a it's been a little while now. Maybe like a year and a half from when it actually happened. Yeah. But the issue at hand here was that there was this unknown skater at the time from atlanta relatively unknown right he's not was, not completely nobody he, but not like not the, he's not am or pro yeah he's at the time he was coming out from atlanta to film a trick at the wilshire stairs which is a really famous spot um everyone used to hit that handrail back in the day and do tricks over the handrail and over the stairs. It was very popular in the early 2000s until about six or seven years ago now when they put a bunch of yellow poles at the foot of the stairs so people could no longer do tricks over it. So this kid comes out from Atlanta, and his idea is he's going to ollie over the stairs and the poles, which, to his knowledge, had not been done yet. And is just super fucking gnarly. Yeah, it's a huge gap. I couldn't even understand how someone would want to try that. But he did. He wanted to step to it. And he flew all the way out to Los Angeles from Atlanta. And he did it fairly quickly. And he was pretty hyped. And, of course, this led to, you know, he had a few more days in L.A. skating around. This led to them telling other people in the area that he had done it. But... Word on the street was that Clint Walker had done it. He had ollied it first. So just to backtrack a tiny bit, uh, the kid, Kid Sharif, he did it and he filmed it with a cell phone. Oh, he it filmed was, that it was, part. I did not realize it was filmed on a cell phone. So I thought it was, it was like, filmed for his uh, video part. I remember him saying that they were working no, on a video so, for the shop that mm, he skated for. Uh, possibly, but the the clip, the whole big thing was that the clip went straight to Instagram. Well, not at first. They were sitting on it at first. They had just shown people it. And then people started to say Clint Walker did it already, but they're not releasing it. Right, because he had it for his birdhouse video. So what ended up happening was a, f a day or two later, he got a phone call from Clint Walker, who basically said to him, don't post that footage, we'll buy you out. Right, right, right. But he thought about it for a day or so, and his decision ultimately was he respected Clint Walker calling him up to say something, but he didn't really care. He was going to post his footage. They weren't going to buy him out, and there was nothing that they could do about it. So 
it went straight to Instagram. And then this naturally prompted everyone in the entire collective skateboarding world to ask, is your Instagram account more important than shit going into a full length video or being published in a magazine? Cause you do have to sit on it. This isn't the first time that kind of thing has happened. Um, one of the big rails Chad Muska did back in the day, he was pissed when he got kicked off toy machine because, uh, Adam McNatt ended up doing it and getting it publicized first. Like, even though Muska had done it maybe six months before, but they were waiting to put it in Welcome to Hell. You know, that was 20 years ago now that that incident happened. But that's different to a certain extent. Well, it should be noted also that there's this thing in skateboarding of the NBD, right? Of and, course. And, and just what comes with a spot and just being the first one to do it on footage. So that that kind of I think is guiding this whole thing, this kind of incident that happened, the beef, if you will. It was just harder for that kind of thing to happen back in the day than it would be now. Uh, the only other like close thing I could think of is that one day at the Carlsbad Gap, mind you, this was in the span of one afternoon. Rob Deerdeck showed up and switch ollied the Carlsbad Gap and thought he was going to get a cover for it. But then in the same session, Chris Markovich kick-flipped it. And he got the cover instead. <laughs> Fucking painful. Bummer. Although I don't think Deerdeck is really crying about that one anymore, considering how he is a thousand times more textbook successful than someone like Chris Markovich. But anyways... The clip ended up going to Instagram, and it and it created this this backlash, this backfire. We all knew, obviously, social media was changing skateboarding, and it was just everything was rapidly changing as we're going along, and we're kind of figuring it out as we go with this whole like just kind of posting banger type of thing. But this instant incident specifically, I think. Uh, online editorials did like write-ups on it and there was like a lot of attention brought to this incident which whatever feelings may have got hurt who cares like it's not a big fucking deal but it kind of had to be talked about if skateboarding social media was a car then this incident was premium gasoline it was yeah it 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 gassed everything up. It fueled everything. But again, I think it was kind of a necessary thing that needed to happen. Well, it's a discussion, too, we need to talk about because it is shaping skateboarding for something completely different at this point. And it's not going anywhere. It has its perks and it has its downfalls. And... It's abundantly clear at this point that you kind of got to hop on board to some extent or you're not going to necessarily get very far, unfortunately. It sucks that that's the case. Like, believe me, I love and hate it so much because social media has changed every art form that we could have. You know, it's completely reshaped the music industry so that Anyone who has the ability to record music has some sort of platform to put it out there. It's changed movies in the sense that you can put your own 
content on YouTube, like whether it be a little web series, whether you want to do a weird full length movie, whether you even want to bring an old movie back from the dead, like something that was made in the seventies and forgotten about, you have that platform as well. But Instagram and social media have changed skateboarding in a way that some other art forms haven't really caught up to yet, especially with Instagram. Like, it has become the most standard thing in skateboarding media. In fact, one of the only pro skaters nowadays who is huge that doesn't have social media is Wes Kramer. And it fascinates me that he doesn't have a smartphone and doesn't have an Instagram account and still perseveres, but he has one of those talents that is undeniable. He's found, yeah, he's found that, I don't even know, it's not even a middle ground or a gray area, because he's he's addressed it in interviews. Oh, absolutely. It's a huge deal. And uh, I'm sure, again, like to what I said earlier, that he's he's gotten some pressure from some sponsors. Mm -hmm. You know, he's, he's... Got some bigger names backing him. To go back a little bit to the the Clint and Reeve situation and just kind of how that unfolded and how I can imagine some of the decision-making basically from Sharif's side is, which is also why I kind of was like, I kind of loved it. I kind of loved watching this all unfold. I, oh, I did too. I was like a, like a a little teeny bopper with like the juicy gossip. <laughs> but I loved I loved the way it unfolded. Also, sidebar, it couldn't have included a better villain than Clint Walker. Oh, absolutely. Like it couldn't have included a better person. Especially because the timing of the it. The timing was of King right, of the Road yeah. and all those fucking antics and shit. But anyways, my point being For me it kind of sealed the deal in making him out to be th- that villain. Kinda like, yeah. I was always on the fence about it and then that happened. I was like, alright, it's official. This guy's a fucking dick. Uh, point being is that I think that's actually, I don't know, I guess depending on who you side with in this situation, I think that's kind of the beauty of social media and the Instagram thing is because it's not really up to anyone except for the parties that did it. So the kid was like, fuck that. I'm not getting a fucking full-length part in the new birdhouse video i don't have that platform i'm fuck that i'm putting this shit on instagram because me ollieing this is a really big deal and i'm gonna get a lot of eyes on me absolutely and he he was able to make that decision and i think that was fully within his rights i don't think that it was foul i think that it was a sticky situation and i do i would understand if i was in the same spot and i had a trick whatever but also like black and white if he did it and he felt like putting it on social media he had that right and he did it that's end of story and those who have been able to adapt well have made good careers for themselves. Like you look at someone like the GX1000 crew and their whole thing is so based around 
social media and the internet are, like just with putting those edits up in the beginning to now having dope Instagram edits that are just like entire lines that span city blocks, all that Cali to hide shit that they do on the regular is a huge deal. And it has fostered a huge following. And it's at a point too, where their hill bombing stuff gets reposted by so many different people. Friends I have from high school who do not skate or never really did see that shit. And again, it's one of those things that is just undeniably awesome. The same way Carl Watson's style in 96 was awesome and will transcend generations. So is bombing a hill at full speed through traffic. No matter what, you're going to look at that and go, that's fucking cool. They've also figured out it's perfect marketing. They've figured out their brand. They figured out their sauce, and they're able to just kind of push that. I'm a huge fan of the GX um, account just because of they'll have a their stories, their Instagram stories yeah. will be just a bunch of different clips linked together of them doing the Cali to Hyde bomb. Yeah. And that's their, they have a very, very big presence. And it's really cool to see that they're not, you know, they're not really pigeonholed just because all their footage is coming out of San Francisco. It's actually the opposite that that's their appeal is that anyone across the world for that matter can tune in and kind of get a thrill of bombing a San Francisco Hill with a 40 in your hand. Well, it's funny you bring up their Instagram story because I was never paying attention to stories when they introduced that feature. I just didn't care. I couldn't get on board. But they were the first group who, like, I would watch that story every day after all because it was always something super interesting and really cool. Whether they were bombing a hill or whether they were in some sketchy back alley and, you know, obviously living in San Francisco... I knew where half that shit was and would always be like, oh, I can't believe they're at that spot today. You know, I, I know where that is. I can't believe someone's stepping to that right now. I think the story feature is cool because it's given this whole other element of like behind the scenes and like in, in between cuts and like what you used to see in the credits kind of maybe of a video, like sketchy security guard fight or like, fucking smoking weed before the session and things like that it's kind of actually really just hearing this topic out loud in a formal discussion like this it's fucking instagram is made for skateboarding it's oh absolutely crazy. that's why i think skateboarding adapted to it so well and i like what you said about adapting so uh, the most successful people have been able to kind of adapt to this changing thing I, I was thinking about how social media has had such a pass, if you will, in the skateboarding culture. There are a lot of old older skaters, and I don't know if you even want to call them the core skaters or the soul skaters, whatever kind of dumb shit you want to label them as, uh, feel that social media may not have a place in it and that it's killing the video part and that why does everything need to be documented? What happened to just going out and having a good time without pointing cameras at the skateboarding? But 
that's not really what's happened. The majority have gone the other way. Your most hardcore skaters, GX1000 accounts, and and all these other gnarly dudes that we can go down the list who are considered, you know, fairly core skaters are all over Instagram. Even people who aren't, like, big anymore and in the major spotlight. Like, look at someone like Mike York. Mike York has a great little Instagram account that shows he's still out there skating all the time. He's still putting in the work and he'll go to the park and do crazy little maneuvers or do cool little slappy curb sessions. Same with someone like Chris Pastris or something. It shows they're out there doing their thing and they are some of the more core people to have ever done it, but they understand their niche and they just broadcast it to the world. And the best skateboarding Instagram account out there, in my opinion... Chico Brennis. Oh my God. You want to talk about a resurgence in someone's career and how this guy has been able to use social media and Instagram. Just everyone take notes. All you salty old man, salty ass skaters out there. (laughs) Like for real, if you ever hear this, just fucking take note. He's having fun. He's enjoying it, and he's found this way to come to give his career a whole new life, and all of us fucking love it. Well, it's so awesome that you bring that up because my friend who will send me random things like, oh, go to this Instagram account and check their last post. I'm going to give him a shout-out right now. Shout-out to you, Sebastian Graves. He is of the opinion that Chico should win Skater of the Year solely based on his Instagram footage because it's that fucking good. He's repping a nine-inch board the entire time, too. Like, that needs to be noted. You know, he's not just on some, like, little seven-and-a-half-inch board. He's flipping a big motherfucker around and doing so with ease, and he's putting that on Instagram daily. Like... He goes out and does lines, even if they're not like in his feed, they're in his story. And he's cool because he'll just go up to whoever's at the island chilling and ask them to film for him, which I think is great. You know, he's a man of the community and is willing to get anyone who wants to be involved in broadcasting that to the world. He's totally just flipped it. He's flipped it again with the way he it's just all pure fun and love and just it's it's not too serious because filming for social media has become its whole own beast because you do see people i saw plenty of people in spain at bakba screaming and throwing tantrums because they couldn't successfully land their instagram line You know, and you don't see that from a guy like Chico's account, you know, or at least you don't, it doesn't seem like he's putting a lot of stress and strain into how he's kind of cultivating this page. No, not at all. And one of my favorite memories of seeing him out there doing it one day, he was filming a line at the island and... I was wondering who was filming because I didn't see anyone following him around on a board. And then I look and he's got his daughter standing on the top of the steps at the island. And she's filming him with a cell phone. For real. And I think that's awesome because, you know, yeah, I'm sure she's not necessarily stoked to be out there filming with 
someone we consider to be a great skater and someone she considers to be dad. Yeah. But it was cool because afterwards I asked him, I'm like, oh, like just having a family day at the island. He's like, no, I'm taking her ice skating after this. But I wanted her to film this line for me real quick. (laughs) Yeah. Don't take yourself too serious. Yeah. Like, that's awesome. He didn't need fucking... Aaron Meza and Spike Jones there to film him. He was just like, hey, you're my daughter. You want to go ice skating? Get me doing this line. <laughs> so social media, it's kind of been given this, I don't know. It's been given the green light, maybe, if you will. And it's just, and we're totally in this big free-for-all. And again, you know, like we said, the good, bad, and the ugly, you know, we all kind of contribute to all of it, mm-hmm. I guess. You know, if you have an account, if you follow social media, I guess I kind of relate it to contests and or like contests or major sponsors or other things that like have heavy opinions within the industry or like, you know, kind of the, the side eye, the fuck you, the taboo stuff. I think for whatever reason, I don't know. I I honestly don't know if I can put an exact reason on it. Social media has been given just I don't know. There isn't like I don't I don't hear the ridicule that I do of like, oh well this guy is a fucking contest skater and he's fucking whatever, he's only in it to win a big paycheck at a at a commercial contest or whatever. No, like every everyone is on in- Instagram. It's the contest skaters, the street skaters. Actually, one of the most uh, another account I love, which I always thought was the most crusty, hardcore, like San Francisco gnarly skate following was Low Card. Low Card has a really really good account. And that's just like that's a really great example of how an underground company who kind of still has like a fuck you crusty skater edge to it mm-hmm. has like totally adapted to this changing social media world. I think those who don't want to adapt to it are living in a world of nostalgic denial. Like you do have the people who denounce it constantly because they think it's burying the content, which it is, that's undeniable, but it's also undeniable how much Instagram is putting shit out there to the masses. But it's so obvious that, you know, if you're not willing to adapt, you're going to be playing catch up with all these people who are putting stuff out there on social media every day and showing people that they're out there on the board. And you're right in the sense that it's not like to get a paycheck. It's just that they're showing that they love skateboarding and that they're still going to do it every single day. And bottom line is we're all fans. Mm -hmm. We're all fans and we love to see it. I don't care who you are. You like to see good footage. You like to see dope shit. Yeah. Whether whether you still have the opinion of, man, I, I would really appreciate a good full length, you can't deny that. You know, it's, it's almost like the car wreck that you can't look away from. Like, you can't deny that you want to see good shit coming out of the skateboard world. And, I mean, even as a photographer, you know, the same way that 
something like Napster or Bandcamp changed the scope of music and how you could put music out there into the world, there's the same appeal with something like Instagram being able to put like the photos that I take out in the world. You know, obviously keep a portfolio aside for your best shit, but also produce content regularly on Instagram, put your best content on there that you get in any given session. And I mean, I'm not boasting followers like someone like Mike Blaback or fucking Luke Ogden or any of those major huge photographers from back in the day, but I still find when I post good quality skate photos, you know, like you said, it's undeniable. People are fans. They like to see that shit. And those who enjoy it will spread that content around. And as a free media outlet, that's it's such a it's such a broader topic as far as marketing than skateboarding. But it again, it's just it's fucking made it's made for skateboarding because any old person out there can put their footage on the internet can tag their favorite sponsors can tag their favorite skaters can hashtag whatever it may be that geo tagged a location and it's just it's this ultimate sponsor me tape if you will there's it's you know you're seeing the death of the sponsor me tape through social media and and being able to just spew all your footy immediately out for the world to see well i remember at one point coming from the local level of things maybe three or four years ago now san francisco local favorite adrian williams had this clip where on the three up three down that clip got reposted by so many pros and like you know at the time adrian had a good following, you know, he had been on Think and had all these cool people backing him and being involved with him throughout his career. But that moment right there where all of a sudden, like, the local favorite is being reposted by all these things that I know way more than just the locals follow was insane to me. And that just proves how the social media thing is good for the small fish in the huge pond. You can have that moment, even if it is only for a few moments. Like, you can get seen by a bunch of people. The major thing, though, is how do you react to it? Do you just say, oh, I've made it, I got this? Or do you keep working hard to prove that you are someone worth investing, I mean, at the very least, following on social media or at like the biggest extent, sponsoring? <laughs> Makes a lot of sense in how big skateboarding has gotten in the last few years and just this rapid expansion. And there's there's this endless portal, which is social media now, for all this stuff to come out. And there's no rules, really, or limit on it. It's kind of exploded everything. It's it's a little I don't know it's a little sad to know that cuz I mean if you ask someone probably a little older than let's say maybe 26 or so that a lot of people a lot of these skaters put a lot of work into sponsor me tapes that 9 times out of 10 get rejected 
you know? So does it make it easier on a skater to get sponsored? Does it make it harder for a company to spot real good talent? Cause there is so much, you know what I mean? I don't, again, like it's not going anywhere. It's only going to get crazier. I don't know. Like how do you pick and choose? I guess that kind of stuff is all gonna be figured out over time. We've only seen the short-term effects of what this has had on the skateboarding industry. And the same way that the home camcorder changed skateboarding in the late 80s, you know, social media is going to change it for this generation. In a couple of years, I think we'll see the bigger scope and the bigger picture, especially as maybe certain riders start to show that they were just a flash in the pan or that maybe companies were simply social media hype and they couldn't withstand the bigger market. That stuff's all going to solve itself. And then by that point, technology will probably have unveiled the next big shift, whatever mm. that may be. That's not coming anytime soon. No, it, it'll be a few years at least. And we'll see what happens. But I mean, we, ne- we didn't see this coming. I didn't. Well, we didn't see it coming. And then all of a sudden it's this. I, I appreciate it a lot. It's as, as I've gotten older and going into my 30s, it has kept a certain interest in skateboarding for me. And it has totally given me a chance to follow the culture as I've gotten older and find things that motivate me to keep my, you know, like I love skateboarding, but we all know as you get older, life happens and it's not the easiest thing to be a hundred percent involved in and Instagram and social media has really done us older, older, getting older folks, I think a solid in being able to tap in with a Chico Brennis and being like, damn, he's still skating and, and the resurgence of Brian Wenning and seeing some of his footage and just like, we've never had that before. We never, we were never able to follow our old favorite pros as they kind of dwindled away from skateboarding. But, you know, there's something they say on the Nine Club a lot, which I actually like when they have the older folks on, is we just want to see you skate. They tell people, we just want to see you skate. I don't want to, I don't need to see another groundbreaking Brian Wenning part. I'd love it, but I just want to see the guy skate. I just want to see Chico skate. You know what I mean? And social media has absolutely provided this. I guess just this whole other platform of inspiration and interest and uh, content. Well, that's one of the beautiful things about skateboarding and the nostalgia of the internet, because we're learning in the past 10 years as certain things keep coming out and keep existing that the shelf life of skateboarders now is a lot longer than say, someone on a baseball or a basketball team like how many of your favorite sports athletes from when you were a kid can you say you know what they're doing today right yeah. probably, probably very few probably i couldn't my favorite zero. baseball player when i was a kid was mo vaughn 
He was a big, fat black dude on the Red Sox, and I saw him break a bat on live television as a kid, and it blew my fucking mind. Could I tell you what he's doing now? No. I don't have a fucking clue. I'd have to really dig on the internet. I couldn't just go on Instagram hey, and but figure it you, out. But you know Chico went surfing this morning. Yeah, exactly. I know Chico <laughs> Brenes went surfing and then got a kick-ass line at the island. Yeah. So, you know, there's something to be said about how it, it keeps us involved. It's not going anywhere. And we should embrace it, but also not rely on it. Yeah. I think, I mean, for me personally, I've taken a lot. I think there's a lot of good that it's providing. And I don't, I mean, again, it's, you know, it's fucking objective. It's everyone's opinion ultimately. But I can't help but think that it's it's really only provided progression and a cool new outlet for this little world that we have. Yeah, so keep posting. And keep the content interesting.